Experiencing a change of heart and living a life for Jesus Christ in a sinful world is impossible without supernatural help. This message is the fifth in the series Vision 2020. The message is entitled, See the Helper. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to talk this weekend, continuing in our series together entitled Vision 2020. And my focus today is helping us to gain vision or to see the helper, to see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of the most important things you'll ever develop in your life is vision, spiritual vision. We all appreciate natural eyesight. It's a great blessing to be able to see naturally, but actually there's something better than natural eyesight. That's spiritual insight. That You may actually have the greatest eyesight in the world, but actually be blind spiritually and you'll end up in a lot of trouble in your life. So it's extremely important that you and I learn to gain, increase our spiritual vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 reminds us of the importance of this kind of thing called spiritual vision where the, 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 the writer here tells us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That without spiritual vision, you're going to have a less than full life. You're going to perish in certain ways. Now, the opposite of that is true as well. With spiritual vision, your life will flourish. And all of us want to have a flourishing life, which requires the ability to have this thing called spiritual vision. You might say, well, pastor, what is spiritual vision? Spiritual vision in a very basic, simple statement is this. It is the capacity to see life from God's perspective. Not from your perspective or the perspective of the world around you, but to see life, your life, the environment that you live in, the world around you from the perspective of God, from the perspective of heaven. Paul the Apostle reminded us of this kind of vision in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, where he writes these words, so we fix our eyes not talking about natural eyes, but our spiritual eyes, as you will see here. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As we need to look into the unseen spiritual realm and see God's perspective of life. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, again, he writes, for we live by faith, not by sight, not by our natural sight. So what does it mean to gain spiritual vision. We've been talking about various elements of this over the last several weeks. As I said today, I want to focus in on the, the vision of seeing and experiencing the Holy Spirit's work in your life. We need to see the helper. We need to see the Holy Spirit this year and in the years to come there to help us in our journey with Jesus. We need vision of the Holy Spirit. Let me start by giving you an analogy. Let's say, for example, you have some yard work to do and you go out into your yard and there's this massive several ton boulder in your yard that needs to be moved, you need to push it away, push it aside. And you get behind that boulder and you push as hard as you can with every bit of effort that you have inside of you. And obviously that boulder is not going to move at all because it's far too big and too weighty for you to be able to move. And so you push and you push and you push and you wear yourself out trying to push that boulder out of the way. And then your eye catches something to your left-hand side. You notice that there's a big crane there and there's a crane operator sitting in the crane booth. And you realize, my goodness, there is something, there's a resource that is available to me that will allow me to move the crane. And so the crane operator is engaged. The crane is engaged. You help hook up the, the big boulder. And suddenly what was impossible to you is now possible because you have a resource that you didn't realize was there. 
The same is true for us as believers. We have a resource. So you cannot live the Christian life in your own strength and power. If you try to use your power to push this boulder called Christianity or living for Christ down and against the world around you, you're not going to be able to succeed. It is too big for you. Being a Christian, living the Christian life involves spiritual power. It involves the help of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot draw from the help of the Holy Spirit until we see the presence of the Spirit and His availability to us in our lives. That crane, if you will, that moved the rock, the Holy Spirit's the power that can move things in your life that nothing else is able to move. See, it's the Holy Spirit that has drawn us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has caused us to be born again. It's the Holy Spirit that actually enables us to become more like Jesus Christ and enables us to do the things that God would want us to do. And so we're going to talk today about seeing the Holy Spirit, not with your natural eyes, but with your eyes of the Spirit, your spiritual eyes. In John chapter 16, Jesus gave a very interesting statement to his disciples. You need to understand the setting of the statement. In just a moment, I'm going to read verse 7 of John chapter 16. I would encourage you when you go home this week to read uh, all through verse 15. I'm only going to read verse 7 today to set the stage for this message. But you have to understand the setting of this particular passage. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. He was going to die on the cross of Calvary. He's going to rise from the grave. And he's going to ascend back to the right hand of God the Father. He's going to leave the earth and go back to the Father. The disciples who had been with him for three, three and a half years obviously loved Jesus dearly and they did not want him to leave. They thought, my goodness, what will happen if Jesus departs from us? And so he was, he was quite concerned, they were quite concerned with the potential and the, the certainly imminent exit of Jesus back into heaven again. And so Jesus brings all of his disciples together and he gives them these words, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the paraclete or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. To you. And so Jesus said, guys, let me tell you something. I know you don't want me to leave, but it's better for you that I go away. Now, how could it be better for Jesus to go away? What does that mean? Because Jesus said, the reason it's better for me to go away is because when I go away, the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Now, what did that mean? Why is this significant to us? Because prior to the time of Jesus and prior to the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the church, the Holy Spirit was present in the world, but the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, just always remember, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is He, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So one in three, three in one, the essential essence of God is in the Holy Spirit as well. And so before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit was only given to certain people at certain times to do certain things. For example, there would be, we might take a look at Gideon. There was a time that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon for a moment, and Gideon led Israel in victory over the Midianites. And so it happened in a moment to a man at a particular time for a particular event. There are times that the Spirit of God would come upon David, and certain things would happen through his life because the Spirit of God was on him. But they knew nothing prior to Jesus of the Spirit of God indwelling them. The Spirit would come upon them from time to time, but they knew nothing about the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in someone's life. And so Jesus said, it's better for me to go away because when I go away, the Spirit's going to come and you'll gain access to something you've never had access to before, the presence of my Spirit in your life. The divine helper, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon you. So we have, dear ones, we have this amazing, absolutely amazing personal resource 
with us and available to us at all times. It's the third person of the Trinity, the precious Holy Spirit, God himself with us. And so what I want to do today, and I think some of you probably already looked at your outline and freaked out because there are a lot of points there, okay? I promise you to get you home before the pregame show tonight. I promise you, okay? <laughs> at least by halftime, okay? okay? You said, my goodness, all these notes, how are we going to get through? And there are 15 things I'm going to share with you today about the Holy Spirit. You said, my goodness, 15 things. I'm tired already. No, just put your seatbelt on. We're going to fly through these, but these are going to be helpful. By the time we finish today, you're going to be more in love with the Spirit of God, okay? By the time we finish today, you, the Holy Spirit already loves you. You're going to fall in love, more in love with him than you've ever been before. Are you ready for this? Let's take a look at 15 things that are represented to us, resourced to us by the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit, as a believer in Christ, he lives inside of you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Here Paul reminds us that when you and I accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we become the temple, the vessel, the house, the abode of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. What does that mean? That means everywhere you go, God goes because God is living inside of you. That you cannot go to a place without God going with you. You cannot live your life in any realm or environment without God being present. And so if the Spirit of God is in you, that means where you go is either bringing pleasure to the Spirit or grief to the Spirit. You know, there's certain places you can walk into and you know it when you walk in, I shouldn't be here. Ever had that moment before? I shouldn't be in this place. And so there's that, that's the grieving of the Spirit of God inside of you. There are other times you can go to a place like you did this morning. You woke up and said, I'm going to church today. The Holy Spirit said, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to the house of God. And so wherever you go, you take God with you as a believer in Jesus Christ. You cannot get away from him because he actually lives inside of you. Number two, he seals us. The Holy Spirit seals your life. I'll explain that in just a moment. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. As, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit, God seals you with the Spirit of God. What does that mean? It's a royal seal. It's when God marks you as being his own. Back in those days, there were times that royalty would send out a, a letter or send out a, doc, a document or a proclamation, and the way that people knew that it was authentic is it carried the royal seal that marked it, that closed it, that said, this is something that has come from the king. When you became a believer in Jesus Christ, God marked you with his divine royal seal that says, now you are mine. I've marked you. We also see here that it's described as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So when the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you, it is like if you've ever bought a house before, it's like paying earnest money on a house. That when you get ready to buy a house, you're going to close on the contract and they're always asking you for some earnest money. Show me that you're really serious about this. Give me some money that says you're not going to back out of this contract. What I want you to know today that when Jesus came into your life and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, God paid paid some earnest money on you. He said, I'm not backing out of the contract with you. Okay. 
I've made a covenant with you and I'm not backing out of that covenant. Now you might back out, but God will never back out on you. Okay. Number three, he empowers us. The Holy Spirit is this precious resource that empowers us. Listen, listen to Luke 24, 49. Jesus' words, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Let me describe what's going on here. Jesus was getting ready to go back to heaven. He told his disciples, here's your mission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He gave them the mission. This is what you're supposed to do. Then he said this, by the way, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere and try to do anything at all until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so they stayed there in Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, Acts chapter 2, in a room filled with 120 believers, and the Spirit of God came in and lit upon the heads of those believers and filled them up with the Spirit of God, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance, but they didn't stay in the room. See, a lot of people just think that being filled with the Spirit is about, about being blessed and have a lot of great feelings, and let's all stay in the room and have a good time. No, to be filled with the Spirit, they didn't stay in the room. They spilled out of the room under the streets of Jerusalem on Pentecost Day when there were nations all around, and they began to speak forth in these other tongues, and everyone heard them in their own language, magnifying God, and then Peter stood up and preached the gospel message that day because now he is empowered by the Spirit, and three thousand people gave their lives to Christ. Why? Because they were empowered now. They had the power to do what they couldn't do before. They were empowered by the Spirit. Notice, if you will, this next verse, and I'll read for you, Acts 4, verse 31. You say, well, what does this have to do with you and me? Everything. Notice what happens here. Talking about the early church and the early disciples. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they, they do? They spoke the word of God boldly. I would submit to you today that if you're not very bold in your faith, instead of beating yourself up about it, just get filled with the Spirit because when you're filled with the Spirit, you gain boldness to share the Word of God with other people because He empowers you for that purpose. Number four, He assures us that we belong to God's family. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Romans eight sixteen. for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Let me explain this one to you like this. Have you ever been in a room before, maybe a, a, a party or a meeting somewhere, and, and you just didn't feel like you belonged? You ever had that moment before? Like everybody kind of already knows each other. I, I just don't even feel like I belong here, and how can I get out of here? I just don't feel like I'm a part of this. And then you have someone in the group that comes over and brings you in. They nurture you in. They make you their friend, and they bring you in, and suddenly you felt ostracized before, but now suddenly you feel like, I belong, because someone became your friend and brought you in. There are times in your life and my life that we can maybe feel like that we're not the best Christian in the world. Ever felt that way before? Yeah, I'm not being the greatest person in the world. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I even belong here in this family called the Christian family. And the Holy Spirit is the one that starts speaking to you inside and just reminds yes, you do. You belong. He, he puts his arms around you and brings you back into the family and reminds you that you're a part. You may, not, you may have some issues as one of God's children, but you're still one of God's children. He reminds you of that. He encourages and witnesses in your heart that you belong to the family of God. The next one, number five, he comforts and encourages us. John 15, 26, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and I will, Jesus says, I will send you the divine encourager, 
from the very presence of my Father. He will come to you, the Spirit of truth emanating from the Father, and He will speak to you about me. He will speak to you about me. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as the divine encourager. He comforts. One translation uses the word the comforter here. He comforts and he encourages us. Why is this so valuable? Because there'll be times in your life when you're going to need some comfort along the way and you're going to need some encouragement in your life and you're not going to always find it from people. People will not always come through for you when you need them to come through for you. You, when you. When you need an encourager, it seems like they're nowhere to be found. And there are moments in life when you feel like you're all alone in the journey and all alone with your your difficulties, with your stresses, with the things going on inside of you, and you need someone just to remind you that you're loved, that you're okay. You need a divine encourager. And I've learned in my life that when I get to my lowest points, when I get on my knees and I start talking to God, the Spirit of God will give me some encouragement on the inside that I can't get from people. It'll allow me to keep going when I want to give up and keep me encouraged when I need to be encouraged and comfort me when I need to be comforted. There's one who lives inside of you. You have an encourager and a comforter living in you. It's wonderful to get it from the outside, from people, but you've got to remember that there's one living in you who comforts you and encourages you as, as we see in David's life when he had the most, one of the most low days in his entire life at Ziklag. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord as God. He tapped in to the strength of God at work in his life. You and I can do the same. The Spirit of God is our divine comforter and our divine encourager. Number six, he's the one who inspires and teaches us. John 14, verse 26, but when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, Holy Spirit, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. Notice that he, Holy Spirit, will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word I've told you. Let me explain this in two aspects. Again, we're moving through these very quickly. I would encourage you to go back and spend some time thinking about, meditating upon, praying through these again. But how does the Holy Spirit teach and inspire you. I'll give you two examples of that. When you and I gather for services like this, all of our campuses today, we come together to hear God's word. It's a moment when God equips a messenger with a message. I try to, every time I come, and those that we have speak here, we try to make sure that we're trying to deliver not just a nice little sermon, we're trying to give you something from God that will feed your soul. Okay, that's our desire, okay? But in the midst of any message that's taught in a church environment, there'll be things that God has designed in that message specifically for you, something you need to hear. And my desire, whenever you gather here at our church, I have no real desire that you remember everything I say. It'd be nice if you could remember all 15 points I'm going to give you today, but it's likely you're not going to, okay? You know, that really doesn't matter to me because you could memorize all 15 of the points I give you today and academically, mentally begin to articulate them, but it still have no impact on your life. What's most important today is this. You need a word from God today. As I'm preaching this message, the Holy Spirit is at work, and I really don't care what you hear from me. What I really care is what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit in your life today, because God wants to talk to you about something in your life. And I happen to just be a human vessel up here that God hopefully can use in some way, but most importantly, I want your ears tuned to hear the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus says many times, let him who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying. 
So as you come to a message like this, you need to come and, yes, take the notes and think about them. It's all wonderful. And maybe God will speak to you through the notes, but sometimes God will take you on a journey while a, while a point's being made to something very applicable in your life. In that moment, you need to hear the voice of the Spirit. He's teaching you. Amen. Are you following today? When you get down for your own devotions every day, if you're doing devotions, and I would highly encourage you to spend some time with God every day in his word, you don't just open up the pages of the Bible and try to understand it with your natural mind. No, you need some help to understand the Bible. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you because he's the author of the book. And so what's a valuable thing to do is before you open the pages of Scripture is to stop for a moment and say, Lord, I'm asking that by the Holy Spirit you give me something from your word today that will minister to the deepest need in my life. And I'm asking you to speak to me in a way that makes sense to me this day through your word. There's no better person to explain the book than the author of the book. And the Holy Spirit is the author. And there'll be days that God will very clearly speak something that's inspired and fresh to you. It's not going to happen every day. It would not lead you astray and make you think like every day is going to be amazing kind of experience you have through the Word. Sometimes you're just plowing through the Word, and that's okay. Just keep on reading. But there are also those moments that God will speak something that will be life-changing for you. That one little nugget of truth will be the very thing you need in that moment of your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you. He's the one that inspires you. Number seven. The Holy Spirit enables us to love and get along with other people. Do you have any people in your life that you don't get along with? Come on, be truthful today. Amen. Don't look at the person beside you. Okay. You know why we don't get along with people all the time? Because we're broken people. We don't get along with people because we're sinful. and we, we, our, our love tank is limited. We tend to love people that are like us and have the same opinions that we have, but as you go through life, you find out there's a lot of people that don't think quite the same way you do or just have the, the kind of personality that you would prefer, and so you have issues with people. It's those people that when you see them coming, this is what you do. They're coming this way, you're going this way, and then you do this. Okay. Right. I don't want to have a conversation with that person because okay. you don't like them. You don't have a love in your heart for them. And that's how we live our lives many times, distant from people and pushing people away from us because we haven't, we haven't learned the love of God. And what I would tell you is this. I'm going to read it in just a moment for you. If you need more love, you don't really need more love. You need more spirit. Because it's the spirit of God that produces love in your life. So if you need more love in your life, you need more of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Take a look at these scriptures with me. Very powerful. Colossians 1, 7 and 8. Paul writes to the believers at Colossae and says, Our beloved co-worker Epaphras was there from the beginning to thoroughly teach you the astonishing revelation of the gospel, and he serves you faithfully as Christ's representative. So he gives them a plug to Epaphras here and the teaching he's been trying to bring to this church. Verse 8, he's informed us, Epaphras, the pastor of the church most likely, he's informed us of the many wonderful ways love is being demonstrated. Notice that. Love is being demonstrated through your lives by what? Read it with me. By the what? Empowerment of what? Not by you gritting your teeth and trying to be nice to people. No, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I'm seeing, I'm hearing that love is disseminating and working through your congregation because people have opened themselves to the Holy Spirit and love now is flowing among them. Notice Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, Paul says, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. 
given to you in your divine calling with tender humility and quiet patience. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Look at verse 3. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you were all called in the same glorious hope of divine destiny. I love that verse number three. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit. The sweet harmony of what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces sweet harmony and brings about bonds of peace. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk in harmony with one another. What is harmony? Harmony is when you have a variety of parts in a choir. And they're, they're actually levels of notes that blend together in a pleasant way and create a full sound. That's what harmony is. They blend together pleasantly and create a full sound. A choir sings in harmony. Okay. When, you're he- when you hear a choir sing, you do not hear one person sing. You hear a group of people sing, and the fullness of that voice, those voices come together in harmony. Okay. Have you ever heard a choir before with one person who was out of tune? Okay. They might be singing with great zeal, but somebody needs to take the microphone away. Okay. <laughs> Because they're messing up the whole thing, right? That person doesn't need to be in the choir. They need to be an usher, okay? okay. It could be something else, okay? Awesome. Sing your praises to God. Just do it in the shower. Just do it somewhere else, okay? But what's happening is one person out of tune, one person out of tune messes up the whole group, right? Are you with me? Like, you're like you start seeing people do this, like... Why? Because something's wrong, okay? And the same is true for us. When we get out of tune, the problem is sometimes we don't even know we're out of tune. We're out of tune with other people, so you have to learn how to tune up with other people, how to listen to your brother and sister around you, how to find your spot in relationships to others so that you're not standing out with some voice alone, but you're working together. Only the Holy Spirit can do that in your life. When you get filled with the Spirit, He enables you to love people that you would not otherwise love. Number eight. He helps us to overcome temptation. Temptation is something that happens to all of us. We all get tempted in a variety of different ways at times. It comes our way, but notice what happens. In Galatians 5, 16, the scripture says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That is, the power of the Spirit will help you stay away from things that are detrimental to your life and hurtful in your relationship with God. Number nine, he helps us to pray. Romans 8, 26 through 28. At the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need, but the Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed in words. The one who searches our hearts knows what the Spirit has in mind. The Spirit intercedes for God's people the way God wants Him to. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those whom He has called according to His plan. Let me explain this one this way. How does the Spirit help us pray? Well, the Spirit helps us pray in this manner. We don't even know sometimes how to pray. Have you ever felt that before? I need to pray. I don't even know what to pray. And when you don't know what to pray, sometimes you fall to the default pattern of not praying at all. But what we should do, even when we don't know what to pray, is get down and pray anyway. I don't really know what to pray, but I need to get down and pray anyway because of the promise of Romans chapter 8 that I know this, that even in my weakness of not knowing what to pray, I have a helper in my prayer life. Okay. 
The Holy Spirit comes alongside of me and I may be blundering in the things I say and I may not know exactly what to say, but at least I'm on my knees and I'm praying and the Spirit of God takes what I'm doing in my prayer and in the Holy Spirit begins to shape it and mold it so it makes it to the Father and it begins to be in accordance with the will of God. And so now we're praying in accordance with the will of God because the Holy Spirit is helping me in my weakness. I can't see this. I can't hear this, but I believe it's happening because the, the Word of God says the Holy Spirit will help me in my prayers so that when I pray, I'm praying in line with the will of God. And then I can know that all things are working together for the good of those that love God, that are called according to His purpose. Now, you can't just pull that verse out of thin air and claim it on its own, that verse of God working together, all things for good of those that are called according to his purpose, comes in the atmosphere of prayer. It comes in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit helping us to pray, which is impossible if you're not praying. You got that? Okay. Don't make me say it again because I couldn't. Okay. Okay. But it's that that working of the Spirit of God helping us with our weakness, a valuable thing, and that keeps you on your knees with assurance and confidence that your prayers are making a difference. Number 10, he gifts us to fulfill his work. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. This is important to realize that whatever God calls you to do, are you listening? Whatever God calls you to do, he will enable you to do. He's not going to enable you to do something you're not called to do, okay? But what you're called to do, he will enable you to do. Because God is not interested in your ability. I mean, why would God be particularly interested in our ability when he's the God of supreme ability, right? So God doesn't need my ability at all, okay? What God needs from me is my availability, okay? He can give me whatever ability that I need, I can help, he can help me develop whatever ability I need to develop. But more importantly, what God is looking for from you and me is our availability because that resu- that's, a re- that's, that's an aspect of our will. And so when I come to God and say, God, I, I'm available to whatever you want me to do, then God says, that's great. Now I will give you the ability to do what I've called you to do. I'm going to be very transparent with you today and tell you this. I've never been called by God to do anything in my life that I felt that I was able to do. Never been a, any moment in life that God says, do this. Oh, I got that in my back pocket. No problem, God. Okay. <laughs> Everything that I've been challenged to do in my life when it comes to ministry or serving God anyway, I've always started from the, the, from the position, I don't feel like I'm qualified for this. I don't feel like I'm able to do this. You go back to Moses. That was the very thing that Moses said at the burning bush when God said, I want you to lead my children out of, out of Egypt. Moses said, who am I? I? I can't do this. And there's this moment of feeling inadequate. But God says, let me press you past that. You may not be able, but are you available? Because I can gift those who are available to me. And the Holy Spirit brings those gifts to us. Number 11. He provides us with wisdom and direction. The Holy Spirit will speak to your life and help you to understand what is wise and the direction you need to take. Ephesians 1.17. I pray that the glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give you a spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know Christ better. Acts 13.4. As Paul and Barnabas are trying to find their first missionary journey where they're going to go out and plant churches. The Bible says that they were directed by the Holy Spirit. They went to Seleucia and then sailed for Cyprus. They got direction from God. Number 12, he helps us to conquer fear. 
You can't conquer fear by yourself. You need God by his presence and power, by his spirit to help you. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Number 13, he transforms our thoughts and our attitudes. The Holy Spirit does this. Have you ever had a problem with stinking thinking? Your mind just goes all over the place, right? Well, notice Ephesians 4, 23, and said, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and your attitudes. See, your mind can mess you up big time and pull you over here and fear and pull you over here and anxiety and pull you all kind of directions. I mean, just the other day, I had just a pile of different thoughts going through my mind about different things that are happening and, and around. And I mean, my mind was just working like crazy and creating all kinds of issues and thoughts and feelings. And so I just want to grab my mind out of my cranium and say, I'm going to baptize you in Jesus' name, okay? okay? <laughs> you need some help, okay? You messed up mind, okay? But the Holy Spirit's been given to us to help us to get our mind where it needs to be so we think the right way. We think of ourselves in relationship to Christ. We think of ourselves as who he says that we are. Number 14. I told you I was going to get through, right? Some of you doubted me. Now you're going to be believers, right? The Holy Spirit gives us new life. Can I get an amen right there, okay? Listen to this. Titus 3. I love this. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done. Of course not. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit gives new life. And finally today... We need to see the Spirit of God. What does the Spirit of God do for us? He longs to fill us and use us for God's glory. Luke eleven thirteen, 13, Jesus' words. If you then, being evil, that is sinful by nature, I'm reading from the Amplified Version here. If you then, being evil, sinful by nature, know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask him. So here's an open invitation for us to come and ask for the presence of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit in our lives. Paul says this in Ephesians 5.18, our last verse today. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wicked corruption stupidity. I like the Amplified right there, don't you? But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Paul says, don't get drunk with wine don't let anything intoxicate you. Don't let anything mess up the way you think. Don't let anything rob your sobriety. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't become intoxicated. That's another whole sermon that I would like to preach one day, but I'm not sure it would be the most popular sermon in the world, but to talk about the issue of alcohol and how it affects people's lives and the damage it brings and how, how do you know when you get to the point of, am I drunk right now or not? I don't know. Okay. But what I know is this, I make enough mistakes sober, I don't need anything else messing me up, okay? <laughs> but you interpret that whatever way you want to interpret it. But the key thing is don't be drunk 
Don't be intoxicated with anything, he says here, by wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. The only thing you need to be intoxicated with is the Spirit of the living God. That's the best wine you'll ever drink. It's the new wine of the Holy Spirit poured into a new wine skin where God can work through your life. You don't need anything else, okay? That's the greatest resource you'll ever have in your life. And Jesus said, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, don't you believe that the Heavenly Father would be willing to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. And by the way, don't be drunk with wine. Don't let this thing happen in your life that pulls you into a, a lack of sobriety with your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's the actual rendering in the Greek. It's not just a one-time, it's an ongoing thing because you need to stay filled because all of us leak a little bit, don't we? Okay. So we need to be, keep, on, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Here's my final statement as we're wrapping up today. God wants to fill you with his spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a candidate to be filled. I heard it said recently by a friend of mine. He said it perhaps the most effective way I've ever heard it. He says, from God's perspective, God doesn't want the Holy Spirit just to be a resident in your life. He wants the Holy Spirit to be president in your life. Okay, I love that. And so the Holy Spirit can be resident in you, but still not president in you. And God wants you to come to that place in your life where the Holy Spirit's not just in you. He's in you if you're a believer. No question about it. You can't name Jesus as Lord without the Spirit of God being inside of you. But he doesn't want, he's not satisfied just to be the resident in your life. He wants to be president of your life. He wants to be fully in charge. And can I ask you, when was the last time you got on your knees and said, Lord, I'm asking you to fill me with the Spirit of God? One of the greatest things you'll ever see in your life, instead of trying to push that boulder by yourself and try to make things happen by yourself, which you don't have the power to do, to look over to that left-hand side and see that divine crane that's there with the power, all the power necessary to move this obstacle in your life that you realize, I can't live the Christian life alone. I need the power of God. And God says, oh, I provided that for you. The Holy Spirit is living in you. Get filled up. And live in the spirit of God so I can use you to your maximum capacity. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're grateful today for your word. We're so thankful for the reminder today, the opening of our eyes afresh to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment that you would come and fill us up afresh. And not just be resident in us, but be present in us. Take charge of our lives and help us to be the people that you want us to be and to have the power necessary to do all that you've asked us to do. Fill us, Lord. Fill each person, I pray, afresh in you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave 
that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.